Thank you for tuning back in to the Beacons of Bravery podcast. This is episode number 22, and my guest is Tara Roberts, and she happens to be my boss. That's just a little intimidating, interviewing your boss, but Tara does not disappoint. She gets raw and real and tells us that even as an achiever, goal-driven, very successful person, there's always another side. And so I hope that some of you high achievers can relate can take a deep breath and realize it's okay to be present and enjoy life and every day along the way. I'd also like to remind you that if you leave a rating and review on Apple Podcast, you still have time to be entered in the drawing to win the mystery box full of goodies. If you leave that review before May 1st, you'll be entered in to win, and you have a good chance of winning because there aren't a whole lot of applicants yet. So please do that, it's real easy to do, and if you don't know how, reach out to me at beaconsofbravery at gmail.com, or you can DM me on Instagram at carrie.normand. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome to the Beacons of Bravery podcast. I'm your host, Carrie Normand former perfectionist, people pleaser, and rule follower who woke up one day and realized I'd been living somebody else's dream because of my fear of stepping outside the lines. That's why I started this podcast, to interview authors, entrepreneurs, and everyday people who learn to overcome their fears and obstacles in order to live the life of their dreams, to shine the light on how we can live the life of our dreams. Tara Roberts, welcome to the Beacons of Bravery podcast. How are you? I'm great. Good to see you, Carrie. Good to see you. Not like we don't see each other on Zoom like every day, but... Every day. I do miss the in-person times that we used to spend together before COVID. Well, for listeners, if you listened to my last podcast, Abigail, Abby Roberts was the guest, and that is Tara's daughter. So now you're meeting the mother who created... Her and Danny created that wonderful human being, but Tara is also my boss, and I will say also a friend, so that's how we know each other. (laughs) Well, that's good, because, you know, don't let the boss thing be held against me today. Yeah. (laughs) Audience, how would you like to be interviewing your boss? It's kind of a different change of roles, but I think it'll be fun. It's going to be okay. So I wanted to ask is the first question, where did you grow up mainly? And what, if any effect, do you think that had on the person that you've become? So I grew up in Warner Robins, Georgia. So for geographically challenged people like myself, um, that is in the center of Georgia. So right smack in middle Georgia. Um, it is an Air Force town, so Warner Robins Air Force Base. Not not everybody would be like, Warner Robins, okay. And in Houston County, not Houston County, which is another of our wonderful challenges. Um, and we also call Warner Robins Warner Vegas, just to spice it up a little bit. But I was born in Marietta, Georgia, which is in North Georgia, and relocated to Warner Robins, Georgia, which is actually where both of my parents pretty much grew up. Um, they went to the same middle school that I did. They went to the same high school that I did. They met in high, you know, middle school and high school. So that was sort of a destined thing, you could say, and, and really became an important part of my life of being able to have some of the similar experiences that they did growing up in that area. Mm-hmm. As far as growing up in Georgia and to a father who, who if he could have had his way, he would have been a park ranger. Um, <laughs> We had the full experience, my sister and I. So um, we were hunting and fishing every weekend. If we weren't hunting and fishing every weekend, sometimes even in the evenings, if we got out of school soon enough, we were playing sports. My father coached every type of sport. So volleyball, bowling, softball, (laughs) um, every age, every gender, And so as soon as we were able to, you know, pick up a ball, we were playing softball. Mm -hmm. So 
my life in Georgia growing up was outdoors, always doing something. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the themes of, you know, in the South, sports are a big deal. Right. Outdoor um, sports stuff is also a big deal, fishing, hunting, that kind of thing. But we were girls. Dad didn't have a boy and that never mattered. Um, he taught us everything he would have taught a boy. We knew how to get lost in the woods and find our way out. We knew how to drive a truck by the time we were 12, you know, maybe hit a few trees. Um, <laughs> we had all the survival skills we needed. Um, if ever, the, I guess they decided to abandon us in the woods. I mean, we just, we had a well-rounded, wonderful childhood, lots of experiences, um, which I will tell you all probably equated to a more confident person, mm -hmm. translated to able to um, be a good team player, but also a leader when you needed to be mm -hmm. problem solving. There are many times in my adult life I have felt like I was <laughs> left stranded in the woods and didn't know how to get out. So I would definitely say also um, passing that on to our kids because growing up, I don't remember a time we weren't together as a family going and doing something. Mm -hmm. Like we knew three nights a week we were going to be at the ballpark. We knew every weekend we were going to be traveling and having a good time, staying in hotels, mm -hmm. um, you know, being with our friends and their parents and just really holding on to that family unit thing, mm -hmm. even in spite of a lot of difficult times and difficult things mm -hmm. that's really held us together. And what you're referring to is travel softball, right? Which people who don't live in the South or are competition softball, that that is a real deal. Like it's really big. My daughter. It is. Play. It is a big deal. And um, we were rec ball players. So, oh. you know, just the general kids, we didn't pay or anything. It was my dad would go and he'd go and get, you know, as many players and friends of mine together as he could. And his one goal was to keep that unit together mm -hmm. all the way through college. And that was a successful outcome for him. He got most of us into college playing on scholarship for softball and many of us playing at the same school, but it was always bigger than that. He was about making sure sports were accessible to anybody and everyone. And that really is rec ball. Mm -hmm. um, and giving kids opportunities they never probably would have ever had. I know we would always um, travel and play in the world tournaments. Mm -hmm. Typically that would be like in Kansas City or somewhere like that. And a lot of times that was the first time a, a, a girl would ever get on an airplane, you know, yeah. or have that experience or stay away for the weekend and those kind of things. So very competitive, mm -hmm. extremely competitive. We were a competitive family. And my dad was a strategist, which I also got from him. Mm -hmm. um, and we studied, we studied the teams. We, you know, we went and watched them. And then, you know, we applied it to the game strategy. I mean, all of those things yeah. occurred. Yeah. It, was, it was as important as if we were professionals. Yeah. <laughs> so. And actually, I didn't play softball at all. And I was living in the North. But was there even travel ball back then? It, it really mostly from what I remember was born out of getting to the all-star team yeah, yeah, from yeah. the rec league. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and then the older we got, we basically would have our own sort of travel team. Mm -hmm. um, it, was, it was different. And I have to also say it was slow pitch softball. It was not fast pitch. Oh, wow. So totally different so mm -hmm. where we were fast pitch was not a thing and I would venture to say you know up north fast pitch was more you know the common thing mm -hmm. the further south you got it was more of the slow pitch um, it did start to convert like my junior senior year of high school mm -hmm. um, and we had fast pitch too but slow pitch was ruled the day it ruled oh. the day and as a pitcher and a slow pitch man that was some fun times <laughs> you know, what league we were in, what, what was I hitting a 10 foot arc or a six foot arc or a minimum of a three foot and just lots and lots of fun. And I, I love how engaging and slow pitch every player on the team really gets involved. So a lot of times in fast pitch, it's the pitcher and the catcher. Yep. And, you know, that's where the action is. Mm -hmm. but in uh, Slow pitch, definitely 
a more broader um, involvement of the team. So a couple of things you mentioned, I want to kind of circle back to, and that is, I want to ask you, if you know what your Enneagram number is. <laughs> you know, I know what my Enneagram number is. Three, right? Yes. Three. Yes. Three. She is an achiever. I think what you're describing from softball and how you were raised probably fed into the achiever part of you, right? Oh, for sure. Mm -hmm. Everything that we put our energy to should have a desirable outcome. Mm -hmm. And you do the work, you do your homework, and then you practice that and you do all of the things you need to do so that the outcome is you achieve the goal, which mm -hmm. in that case was winning a championship or winning a tournament or, you know, just having a good experience or outing in a softball game. So, mm -hmm. yes, very well, much. Let's go back to actually what your title is. I mean, I said you were my boss, but you are the what? What's your actual title? <laughs> the vice president of quality rehab and wound care services for the company that we both work for. Mm hmm. Yes. So you don't get to be a VP without a little drive. And I mean, a lot of the most successful entrepreneurs, um, business owners, all that are Enneagram threes. The achieve. I mean, we need that drive, um, not necessarily a nine like me who <laughs> just wants to let everything. But we all need nines. <laughs> right. Yes. Um, so, and maybe a three can help a nine and a nine can help a three. Right. <laughs> so... So Tara actually kind of plucked me from another world, a hospital world, because you had a vision for increasing wound care in our company. And I'm a physical therapist that does wound care, which is not real common. So I credit you with a lot <laughs> of my life. And if anyone listened to the Enneagram episode where I said, I'm the type of person that kind of gloms on to a strong person and sucks their confidence and energy out. That's what I've done with Tara because she has helped me and encouraged me and put me in terrifying situations of public speaking when I felt You're I welcome. wasn't. <laughs> I know. So it's because of you that I'm actually probably doing a podcast. I mean, really when we go back to it, your belief in me. So oh but with your knife. I am envious of your execution of launching a podcast. Oh. So even though I might have the boldness to, you know, be comfortable with making quick decisions and executing decisions and maybe sometimes speaking before thinking and some other things, you know, threes have insecurities too. So, um, and can be their own worst enemies. So I'm certainly watching you and, and learning in this phase of my life. So I appreciate that. And when I think of you a lot, you mentioned confidence too. And I think of you as a confident person. And what I want to know, because I've always, or not, not always been a confident person, but how does one become confident, especially as a female growing up, maybe in a time when that wasn't really, you know, you're an executive, you can be called all sorts of things other than confident, but, um, and I think you've even said before, it's it gets old having to apologize for confidence, right? So where do you think that stems from? So obviously we're all kind of born with a personality set, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then very much influenced by your parents and other people in your life. And, you know, my mom is in my eyes, a very strong, um, decisive driven person mm -hmm. that I easily emulated, um, you know, in my teens and now married in adult life. And so while I watched my dad be the strategist and the planner and the organizer, and I watched my mom play, mm -hmm. <laughs> really, she never went to college. She pretty much has had the same job since I think she was 20. Um, she worked civilian for the Air Force Base mm -hmm. and has worked herself. She still works full time and she's 70 something <laughs> and, um, and is just still 
doing her thing. I mean, she demands the attention of generals every day and she's totally cool with that, chill with that. And if I can look at that, I can, I can copy that. I can emulate that. I have someone I can look at and say, well, she can do it. Why can't I? Mm -hmm. And both of my parents always instilled in me, there was absolutely nothing that I decided I wanted to do that they said, you can't do that. Mm -hmm. And that played out pretty regularly. But as far as there are some growing pains with confidence, mm-hmm. sort of like what you pointed out. Um, you feel like at some point you have to apologize for being confident. Growing up, you know, I had this natural tendency to, um, you know, want to be a leader. I wanted to be involved. I wanted to be involved and in leading. I felt like I had solutions to problems on a regular basis. But, you know, the devil would make me think, well, they don't want to hear that from you. You're not very smart. That was dumb. Why'd you say that? Why'd you put yourself out there? And that still haunts me today, because I think one of the characteristics of a three or, you know, who I am is when I hear something, I'm going to, I have a gut reaction and I let that come out. Mm-hmm. Like there's no pause. There's no filtering. There's no contemplating is about what I'm about to say is going to be the right or wrong or indifferent. And then I immediately have that reaction after that of, Oh God, <laughs> should I have said that? Yeah. Do, you know, what do they think about that? And, And as a young person, you can easily be looked at as bossy, stuck up. Mm -hmm. Um, She thinks she's all that. I had all those things happen to me. And it can be, it can lead to Mm self-deprecation. I could not take a compliment until I was well into my adult years. Like, because I felt like if I acknowledged that compliment, then I was saying, yeah, I'm all that and a bag of chips. And that's the devil. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, or even with my peers, I just felt icky because, you know, oh gosh, they're going to think, I think I'm in charge or I'm smarter than them. And it wasn't that at all. It was just, that's, I thought I was helping or that I thought that was the right thing to do. And I've learned that those reactions were more about them and less about myself, but that is a constant working item to just keep allowing yourself to be who you are, contribute how you see fit and stop questioning, you know, that, you know? And so, yeah, big struggle there, even for a three, because you immediately are like, oh gosh, maybe I shouldn't have said that. Yeah. Well, you also are very um, supportive and protective. I mean, that if, if somebody comes at me, you're my first you're the first one to support me. And so that's a great thing too. Like you're, you're not afraid to share the spotlight and actually try to bring it on other people, which is really unique. And I love it. Well, um, I'd like to say that it's been all my life, but it's not. And we've had these conversations and, and that is just growing as a person and realizing you know, where we, a three may just bulldoze through some things and not appreciate everyone who can contribute to something. That is just absolutely critical that we all are able to do that. We're able to appreciate each and every person's role in whatever you're doing, whether that's just being a, a good friend or, or running an organization. I mean, if you can't do that, forget it. I mean, you're not gonna get anywhere. Um, and then also, you know, it's just really important to recognize your own weaknesses and then compliment yourself with those people, mm-hmm. um, which you do for me often, daily. And I, you and I talk about this a lot, but even growing up, I was very in tune to what made people tick or want to do things. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was important to me to also understand why people acted the way they did or made decisions the way they did. And I've really carried that throughout my whole life. And I have a lot of a lot of that to do every day before I react to it or make a decision. So 
being able to put yourself in someone else's shoes, see things from their point of view, really is important to be able to make sure you respond properly and productively and not negatively and degrade a situation. So I just, you know, understanding why people do what they do is really, really important. Yeah. Or you just think you know the answer. And I remember when I first started working there, and I'll share this example, emails, email etiquette is kind of, you know, it's all across the board. And Tara's very direct and to the point. I mean, that's what it, I mean, there's something that needs to be done. Let's do it. And I will be wordy all around it. Hi, how you doing? Hope you're good. You know? And, and so she said, uh, me and my other coworker who she um, is over are the, the people that are like that. And I mean, you've helped me be more direct too, but yeah, I'll go all around the block trying to say, will you do this and ask, you know, a million different ways. Well, you and this other person have taught me how to spend some time on the niceties because I mean, you automatically will get the perception that I'm just barking orders or, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I don't care. Get it done. That's not really who I am. But so I needed to take time to make sure, you know, hey, you doing OK? OK, great. Now do this. No, I'm just right. kidding. But yeah, the niceties, the um, not all business approach. Right. So kind of, I know you listen to the podcast, so you kind of know the theme about overcoming fears and obstacles. So I'd like to know about one major obstacle you can pick from anything or fear that you've particularly had to overcome or maybe are still working on it in order to live this life that you're living. Um, so I would say a constant working in progress is really how I react to my circumstances. Mm -hmm. You know, none of us are promised the easy road, the perfect life. Um, you know, it, the route is A to Z. No, it's not. It's <laughs> A to F and back to B and then get to Y and then you start back over at A. And <clears throat> Early in my life, I would have been very reactionary, very self-consumed, you know, angry. Why? Why is this happening to me? I've done everything right. I work hard. I, you know, I want the best for people. Why am I suffering? Me, me, me. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, it's not a secret, you know, that um, my husband and I have uh, battled, um, you know, family addictions. Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, navigated a household and a marriage around addictions mm -hmm. and the challenges and paths that that takes. And, you know, raising children in a home with those um, battles, trying to continue to be productive humans while we deal with those types of issues and concerns. And then just add into it all along. You know, we had a miscarriage early in our marriage mm -hmm. uh, before Abby came. Um, we had to, you know, unplant from Georgia, which is where we lived and moved to Louisiana, which thank you, Jesus, we did because I wouldn't be speaking to you right now. Right. And we've been through bankruptcy. We've been through phases of, I didn't know if I was gonna be able to, you know, pay our bills. We didn't know if we were going to see another day. So it's learning, constantly learning how I can choose my reaction to the circumstances because mm -hmm. that will frame how my kids get through it, how my husband gets through it, vice versa, how I get through it, how my friends help me or don't help me, mm -hmm. um, how my work attitude is my spiritual life. So it's learning how, um, how my reaction to my circumstance will dictate if I move forward, if I can take a step, if I can wake up tomorrow. And uh, we've had lots and lots of opportunities to learn that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, at the crux of it, of course, is my relationship with God. And, mm -hmm. Even though I haven't always pursued him, he constantly pursues me. Right. So even in my darkest moments where I tell you I 
It's like a blur. I don't know how I got through some of the moments that we've been through. Um, and I'm sure Danny would say the same thing. When I look back at it, I know how I got through it. And it wasn't because I was pursuing him. He mm -hmm. was pursuing me. He was taking care of us because our story is important. Mm -hmm. And being able to come out the other side is important. And, um, you know, and with all that said, we all have the potential to influence someone else on a daily basis. And I want my influence to be one of encouragement and positivity versus looking like distraught and lost because I'm not mm -hmm. really not. Um, I might have sadness or disappointment or frustration, but I, I'm okay. Yeah. We're okay. And some other things have happened. You know, my dad had his massive stroke um, in 2018, roughly around mm -hmm. April. Um, my husband ended up very, very ill in the hospital a year later. Mm -hmm. But those sequence of events taught me <laughs> that I needed to start living 24 hours at a time because as a three, I'm a planner and I'm going to hit these targets and we're going to know what's happening on day 333 from now at 10 a.m. And I was missing so much. I was missing experiences with my children, with my spouse. I was missing out of the joy of every single day. And those negative terrible circumstances forced me to receive a gift mm -hmm. that I received, which was narrowing my focus to 24 hours at a time. Mm -hmm. And it's a beautiful place to be. It's a healthier place to be. And um, I also talk about when people have experiences, maybe they lose um, a loved one or, you know, they do like my father had a massive stroke. I want to honor those people's experiences by learning something from it and mm -hmm. applying it to my life because I can't do anything else for it. Right. You know, I can't fix it. I can't, but I can learn from it. I can gain perspective from it and I can apply it to my life. Um, we all know, you know, we all talk about, well, if we knew we we're going to die, we'd do so many different things. Mm -hmm. Well, when people have those events in their lives, we should all take a step back and, reevaluate and try to improve something sort of in their honor. Yeah. That was a long-winded answer. Did I get to the answer yes. to the question? <laughs> and I think you added so much more. I appreciate your vulnerability. I do because it's hard to show the underbelly of our lives, you know, but people aren't interested in our highlights at all. It's when, I mean, you've probably noticed if you share a post on Facebook or Instagram and you're, you know, showing the glamorous, whatever's happening, that it might get a few likes, but when you tell the truth about life is not easy right now, that's what people relate to. So I'm glad you told the story from the outside, your life has always looked perfect, <laughs> Well, but you've just told us it wasn't. So right. I mean, yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah, definitely not perfect. In fact, Abby and I talk about this all the time that we really should be um, pursuing perfectly imperfect. Um, we're, you know, if you're perfect, then God can't use you. Um, and so you should embrace that perfection of imperfection. And, you know, my life growing up, my household was not perfect, but I, you know, I have this sort of mantra that, you know, I'm going to keep what was good. I'm going to honor what was hard and then I'm going to change, commit to changing what I can moving forward. So with my family, with my kids and um, and really, I feel like we all should be doing that generationally so that we're better than before. But there's good, but there's also hard and uh, it's changing the hard. It's changing how the hard happened or keeping the hard from happening in the way that it did that helps us do better moving forward. And there's so many things in this world right now we could all apply that to, um, but. And just realizing that everything that has happened prior, it doesn't matter if you had the best childhood, the worst childhood, everything in between the worst marriage, the best marriage, it happened for a reason. And it's made us who we are. There's no 
problems in it. So yeah, I mean, there's abuse, there's all this kind of, there's addiction, there's all this, but it makes people who they are and it's all part of a plan. I mean, we have, we have our own um, ways that we can go in life, but it's okay. You know, it yes. all is for a reason. It is okay. And trusting God's timing in that, that's something I couldn't do years ago, man. <laughs> I, I toiled and toiled and wish, I wish I could get all that energy back that I gave out. That was just useless, but trusting God's timing. I mean, you know, I could have just, it, I, we ended up in Louisiana. We've been here since 2002. This is where both of our, my daughter was born in Georgia, but both of our children have been raised here. Mm -hmm. um, and the family and friends that I have here, it, 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 my work path, I can't question any of that. Mm -hmm. I really can. And so our tapestries are, they're predetermined. I believe that we can screw up along the way, meaning by reduce its value if we're not in tune with what our purpose is. Mm -hmm. But I believe the purpose will eventually get lived out. And you know, you were meant to be part of my tapestry. I was meant to be part of your tapestry. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, you and I have had many opportunities to be in a car at 3 a.m. <laughs> Driving back from Dallas. Not, not having a flight back from Dallas to Shreveport for work. And I've failed you so miserably so many times. Carrie nodding off in the passenger seat and you're driving barely leaning over the steering wheel and I'm over there nodding off snoring Carrie Carrie are you okay okay good <laughs> go right back to sleep I was such a bad bad friend but anyway um you know we've had some really great conversations things that I wouldn't maybe not have been normally comfortable to have unless we got trapped in a car at 3 a.m <laughs> driving back from Dallas so we could have been really upset about that, but we weren't. And, um, you know, God worked and, um, you, you know, you've helped me a lot. Just being able to be someone who would listen. You're a great listener. I've learned, I've had to learn how to become a better intentional listener. That's not a three. Yeah. Strong suit. I'm sure you know. And um, so I just appreciate those gifts that you've given me, you know, in our time together. But that happened for a reason you know i'm here for a reason i'm working for the same company you are for a reason and some of the most important people in my life are people i work with mm -hmm. um, and you know we end up working with people spending more time with people we work with than our own families many times so it is important to see the value in those relationships and explore those relationships yeah I remember on some of those drives because we've driven all over louisiana mississippi texas Colorado, all over DC, we've been together. I remember some of those times saying, does this ever happen to you? Or am I the only one? I mean, you know, sharing something about my life, like, am I crazy? And and then you would open up and say, no, totally the same way. And I was like, okay, thank you. Because yeah, it's very grounding, right? You feel like you're the only one like, oh, so that yeah. was, those were fun <laughs> times. And we'll, we'll have them back. We have to get back to that. <laughs> Okay, so moving into the future, what is looming out there that's still maybe a big goal of yours or something where you're moving to next that might still have a little fear surrounding it or that you're having to use bravery and courage to try to go after? So <laughs> like you, um, I have a creative side. Mm -hmm. And I have some non-physical therapy, sciencey, jobby goals. Mm -hmm. And one of the, and I'm telling you guys, if you can figure out how to just get down to 24, 48 hours at a time of living, the creative side has opportunity to blossom. And that's one of the things I've learned. And, um, you know, I, early in my career, I was a workaholic. That was my addiction because I was driven by achievement and, you know, upward movement and whatever that was, I was going after it. And um, now through, you know, these events in my life that have given me the gift of perspective and slowing things down and giving myself a break and 
pursuing rest and those kind of things, which I still fail at, but I'm doing better. Um, it's allowed the creative side to come out because if I hadn't gotten into PT school, well, first of all, I wanted to be a sports broadcaster. Okay. <laughs> so my parents loaded me up, took me to the University of Georgia, which is where I also thought I wanted to go. Big, big school, big campus, right? Obviously would not be playing softball there. And I was like, I'm going to be a sports broadcaster. And so my dad was like, okay, all right. So we made the visit and he said, did you happen to look up that income? Uh, just, did you do any research? So I'm like, no, no, no. I'm like, oh, wow. Yeah, that, that's, that's a long haul right there. I gotcha. <laughs> I'm with you. Really, they were just trying to tell me, you have some brains, you're intelligent, and you obviously have an opportunity to play on athletic scholarship and academic scholarship, so a smaller school. And, you know, the PT thing is probably your best route. They weren't wrong. So sometimes your parents do know better. Uh, if, if PT school had not worked out, I was going to be, I wanted to be an English professor, specifically creative writing, novels, writing, that kind of thing. So long way around to answering your question. I, I, I love to write and I like to write poetry. I like to write little stories. I would love to write a book one day. I know you also are pursuing writing a book. And most recently, like two weekends ago, I, I banged out a song. Like I wrote a song. Now I can't, and I can't write music, but I wrote the lyrics and I wrote the emotional context to it. And what I saw in the video, what would be happening in the video behind the words. And I would love for, you know, my, my work life to transition as I get older to be able to pursue those creative sides um, more frequently. Mm -hmm. And for me, uh, being fatigued, I can't be creative. Mm -hmm. And in fact, it just, it, it makes me crazy. I'm like, oh, especially if I'm asked to produce like content or word content for work. Mm -hmm. If I'm, you know, fatigued and that's something I love, but if I'm fatigued, I'm just like, oh gosh, I can't do it. It's mm -hmm. just not going to come out, but I'll be driving down the road, darn it. And it'll just, and I'm like picking up Siri and saying, hey, Siri, take a note because, or it's just going to go away. And I think Siri is about to take a note. Um, <laughs> so that is something obviously I'd like to pursue um, further on a creative side. I'm not a, I don't have any years around that. Well, yes, not ever executing that and being disappointed. Um, never producing something that people wouldn't like or want to read or consume. Mm -hmm. The vulnerability that comes from writing, because, you know, it's a very personal thing, especially, I guess, the kind of writing I would do. So, yeah, I mean, uh, the devil's great at reminding me that I have way too many other things to do. I have way too many other priorities. You don't want to tell all that. Um, you don't want to say all that. Mm -hmm. I get... I get moved to like, I rarely post on Facebook. If I post on Facebook, it's going to be about my kids doing something, which celebrate your kids mm -hmm. and, and celebrate them how they like to be celebrated. It's just something that's come on me. This like, just, just put it out there. Let people think about that. Mm -hmm. And I will compose it, erase it, compose it, erase it, because <laughs> the devil's telling me they don't want to know that. They don't want to hear that. No one's thinking that either. And so that's the battle within for sure. And um, so, I mean, that's the fear is that I'll never take that leap. I mean, look at you. You've launched a podcast. You have overcome your fear. I mean, it's beautiful, Carrie. And I will be forever a fan. I, yeah, right. Because somebody might write something mm -hmm. or say or disagree or whatever. And, you know, it's just about being responsive to what, you know, God puts on your heart. He gave you those gifts for a reason. So not using the gifts would be a win for the other team. Mm -hmm. And um, 
So that's a big fear is that I'll never get to a place that I can really execute those things. But I did give my lyrics to someone to write music for, and we'll see what happens to that. Awesome. I can't wait. That's, that's neat. Because I know you are very creative and I am too. You can also work a spreadsheet like no other, <laughs> which I hate to do. That's not my zone of genius at all. That's an immediate high is when you can get a formula to work. Oh, that has cool. to be some sick, twisted Enneagram 3 thing too, I'm sure. But yeah, when you put in that little formula and you're like, put something in, it goes boom. And you're like, oh my gosh, I did that. <laughs> it's so awesome. Um, but yeah. I'm glad you take joy in that. This shows that it takes all kinds of people because you know me and, and tech and especially like Excel, I can do what I need to do and that's about it. <laughs> Formulas? No, thank you. <laughs> well, I really thank you for being honest and uh, sharing your stuff like we had on a, a previous podcast. As we kind of come into the home stretch here, Actually, usually I, I'm going to ask for book recommendations and all that, but going back to confidence. So I like to, I'm, I'm trying to transition into leaving the audience with some takeaways, some, something that they can use or maybe put in their life right away. Confidence, because you are such a confident person. Is there any tip that you can give people on how to be more confident, even when you don't feel like you're enough or that you may be lacking in some way? Um, so, uh, so one of the things is we don't, op we shouldn't operate in the absence of insecurities. We should just keep the insecurities in check. So you just got to own them and, and learn to keep them in check. You can't pursue not having them. It, it's just, it's not possible. So don't waste your time. Also, don't let that voice inside say, one of the things that I struggle with is I assume everybody thinks the same way I do or assume they know everything I do. And that's a terrible, we know what assuming does, but that's a terrible thing because just like thinking about pushing you when we'd go do, you know, wound seminars or whatever. And I'm like, Carrie, you are the brains of wound care. They have come to learn what you know. You're the expert. They don't know if what you're saying is wrong or right. So why be not confident, right? So it's just remembering why you're there or why you're being pursued for the information if you're if you're just if you're a speaker or whatever it is, and own that and pursue that and also be okay with um you know, relating to the audience and striking up a random conversation or those things put me at ease, mm -hmm. getting to learn someone, you know, or, or finding out about somebody or knowing where they're from, why are they there? Those things put me at ease before I would, you know, speak or, or needed to build my confidence um, before I would do something. So, but yeah, I mean, we all have something to offer. And if you're in a position of being asked to offer it, just remember why because you know it, it's your expertise. People want it, so give it to them. So fun fact, Tara and I have visited Capitol Hill a few times together to kind of lobby for our industry. And we'll be sitting in front of a Senator or one of their staffers or something. And she just talks like it's her next door neighbor. And then she'll be like, Carrie, what do you have to add? And I'll be like, uh, <laughs> why are you making me do this? because <laughs> growth growth and because you have it in you really and you know but it, that just reminded me of being um, a young person and people I, I would meet other my parents friends other adults or be in a, a situation with adults I didn't even know and I was always comfortable looking them in the eye and you know having the conversation I needed to have, contribute to the conversation in a, an adult way. And that feedback would always come back to my parents that, gosh, she's really comfortable, you know, she's really confident. And I'll never forget that. I mean, it was nice to hear that, especially while I was struggling with being confident and people, you know, thinking what they thought or what I thought they were thinking. So yeah, 
and there is nothing I like more than to take our cause to DC on the Hill and remind these people we elected what they're in there to do. So, you know, it's really easy when you're passionate about what you're talking about to talk about what you're talking about, regardless if that was the president or I don't know who, but yeah. So being passionate about what you're there for is really easy way to execute that for sure. And you'd go back, right? What's that? And you would go back, right? Yeah, I, yeah, I would. Uh-huh. <laughs> Politics is interesting. I'm not real into it. Everyone needs to do that at least yeah. once in your life. It's an experience for sure. <laughs> but I mean, I think I like what you're saying. Be passionate about it. It'll come easily. That's kind of why I started this podcast is I'm deeply interested in people psychology and why they do, like you said, why they do what they do and don't do what they should do and how certain people are confident and brave. So, I mean, once you have that, I think it, it comes, you do something scared and the confidence comes, you know, it's kind of like when you're new at something or a rookie, you know, you don't have the reps in and that's when I feel the least confident or even talking about speaking. If I haven't gone over the material enough and I feel like, oh, I should have rehearsed a little bit more. That's when I don't do good. But when it's just second nature, then that's okay. So I think that's a good tip. Well, and preparedness. <laughs> yeah. And to your point, I mean, your, your peers, the people you surround yourself with need to be there to support you in that. They need to be giving you the right feedback and confidence building to help you get through those circumstances. So if you're a, if you're surrounded by people who aren't giving you that, you need new people. <laughs> so, um, you know, and I would get as much joy out of you getting up there and rocking a presentation than if it was myself. So you want to be surrounded about those, those types of people who are really interested in your success and you overcoming your fears. So. You need some fear buddies, I guess we'll call them. And, you know, just who do you surround yourself with? Yeah. Well, it's like the Jim Rohn quote, you're the sum of the five people you spend the most time with. So if you spend time with five people who are on welfare and not really worried about getting a job, you'll be the sixth person. If you're spending time with five millionaires, you'll probably be the sixth person. It's, it's whatever you surround yourself with. So that's why another reason I started this podcast, because I want to surround myself with brave people to suck all the bravery out. You're just getting it all. (laughs) Well, cool. So let's transition into my usual questions that I ask, because I know you'll probably be really prepared to answer these. (laughs) I might be. (laughs) What is a book that has been meaningful meaningful to you and why? What can you recommend? So I, you know, time is not of the essence. So I don't get to read as much as I would like to. And I really am intentional when I do read something because I don't have time to waste. I almost never read anything that wasn't recommended to me. So, um, you know, as far as like spiritual life, the nonfiction book, The Shack, Mm -hmm. because I'm in a constant pursuit of reevaluating my thought processes about religion and what Jesus meant for us and what he didn't mean for us. And the shack was one of those things that I was like, I can dig this. I can really put my arms around this, you know, and the shack, the premises that, um, you know, a child's been abducted and the man goes to the shack and Jesus comes in these different or God presents himself as these different people but the way he presented himself was how it was meaningful and comforting to the man Mm -hmm. so I really like that but there's so many nuggets in the shack you could talk about that forever but it just played into my continued pursuit and Abby and I talk have these conversations nonstop. I even have them with Devant my son um, who is quite deep um, and I learned a lot from, but two things. I also read the, um, uh, ruthless elimination of hurry. My daughter gifted that to me. Yeah. 
Um, I, I knew all those things that he said were true. I already knew those things. It was just like giving myself permission to go ahead and adopt that type of attitude. So it helped slow me down. It helped me create intentional rest and, and some things like that. And then Green Lights by Matthew McConaughey. So you've read that. Well, I listened to it and okay. I recommend everyone listen to it. Don't read it because it is Matthew McConaughey. Right. So um, there's, you know, just something about listening to him talk in your ear. And and he, he is something. I mean, he's he's there's certainly some crudeness in it. I mean, that's Matthew McConaughey. Mm-hmm. But man, talk about some life bombs, just some mm-hmm. in your face truths and what I liked about he has these things called bumper stickers all throughout and it's like little metaphors but the bulk of it is so much of our limitation is self-imposed man-made and who made all that decision you know who said right he's like a roof is man-made like it's that simple Mm so just because a man made the roof you can't exceed the roof you know just a lot of different things like that about choosing joy. You literally can choose joy Mm -hmm. over despair. You can every day. You can choose to smile or not smile, but both have different outcomes. And so choice, the routes you take, the decisions you make, you really can make more than one decision. Mm -hmm. So we aren't all just like, oh, this is my lot in life. I can't, you know, this is happening to me. And reality is circumstances are happening to you but you have choices um so i really enjoyed his book um and of course he had some you know opportunities that the common person may not have but the truths are the same the truths are real so those are the things i would recommend i need to listen to it yes while you're running but um I heard him on podcast promoting it. And even on the podcast, he was, I mean, who knew he was so deep? Like, yeah, he, he dropped some major he's, truth. Bombs. Well, he's, he's, he's deep. I mean, really like you obviously have to know he's a genius, like a genius factor kind of thing, just based on so many other things. And it is a life story. It's, a, you know, his own life and experiences. And he journaled that whole time. Yeah, I love yeah. journaling. Um, and, uh, but very relatable for me. Yeah. Very applicable. That's a good one. Okay. So, you know, I love quotes and I'm trying to stock up on them and hear everybody's favorite quote. So hit us with a quote or two. Well, you know, I don't have a lot of like quotes that are already out there in the world kind of thing. Um, I've had a lot of important people in my life tell me things that I've, I've jotted down and I keep them on my notepad, mm-hmm. all, you know, forever. But um, I actually posted about this today was um, smile where you are. God is, you know, my great aunt Lydia, she's in heaven now, but we shared a birthday on Christmas Eve. And I, we had moved to Louisiana right after we got married. And, you know, I, in Louisiana, none of my family's here. And she sent me a note, handwritten, of course, because, you know, that's how it was done. And I put that on the refrigerator because I, again, could make a choice to be miserable mm-hmm. or embrace where I was, what God wanted to happen, the people he wanted me to meet. So that's that's really an important one. Um, Say it again. Smile where you are. God is. Okay. Meaning he's smiling, even mm-hmm. though you're in Louisiana. So why aren't you, you know, make yeah. the most of it. So we talked about perfectly imperfect. Mm-hmm. Um, I love to remind myself to not let my blessings become burdens. Mm-hmm. You know, we could just, you know, check all the boxes and have the kids go into all five different sports and volunteer the PTSA and be do the church thing and have so many things that are truly blessings, but they all just become burdens. Right. So what's the point? So learning to put some boundaries and, you know, being creative and enjoying all of those things versus they become, you know, absolute mm-hmm. burdens. So those are just some things. I love that. I think about. I always 
energy is a big thing with me, which is why I kind of felt like I was a Enneagram five is it's like, Oh, this is costing so much energy of me, you know, <laughs> but yeah, when you're involved in everything, it's hard to, I mean, I have to step back and like really just be present in the moment. And I mean, it's an ongoing struggle for me to realize this is good. This is how it is. You're not looking forward to the next phase in life or, you know, whatever. So I love that. Yep. Okay. So do you listen to many podcasts or is there any that you could recommend to others that you listen to? Um, that would be the Beacons of Bravery <laughs> by Carrie Norman. I have never listened to a podcast before you. Really? Really? I mean, just wasn't in my lane, you know, or mm-hmm. even probably knew how to look up a podcast. I don't know. Yeah. The, the best I ever got was Audible to listen mm-hmm. to books, you know, but um, so yeah, you're my you're my um, podcast queen. Well, good. Stay that way because you don't want to hear how good all the other ones are. <laughs> well, you know what? I'll tell you. I would struggle with a lot of podcasts because <laughs> this is, and this is about me. It's not about them. It's, I am exhausted listening to someone who is so, so excited about what they need to talk about. Yeah. Um, that it sucks the life out of me. So, and look, everybody needs something from someone and that would not be what I would pursue. You know, you're definitely my, my lane or <laughs> my level of podcasting. It's as real as it gets. Perfect. You know, it's perfectly imperfect. You're rocking it. And so, you know, I'll, I'll stick with beacons of bravery because what you're doing is important. I'll appreciate, I appreciate that. And I will pay you later. (laughs) I might have a project I need you to help me with. (laughs) Okay. So on social media, is there somebody inspiring that you like to follow or you could recommend to others? Oh gosh. Maybe a hidden gem. You know, my strategy about social media, because one of the things, obviously, you know, I helped Abby with her social media when she had What's Your Dash. I mean, she was only 12, 13, so she had to be helped. For my kids' high school, I do all of the publicity for Captain Shreve. So I run their Instagram, I mean, their social media, Facebook and Twitter. You know, it also used to be the volleyball. I mean, I used to like have like all these accounts that I was trying to manage. But what I like to do as far as following on social media is following people that I don't agree with, following people that I wouldn't normally um, be in a room with. I really make a concerted effort to follow all kinds of different types of people because I need to be informed. I need to understand what's making the world turn. I need to be able to use that information to help my kids navigate the world that they're gonna be living in and and exposed to. And if all I've done is narrowed my focus to only the things that I agree with and, you know, preach, then we're gonna be short-sighted, right? Mm -hmm. So I really couldn't tell you that there's somebody, but. I just encourage people to follow others that aren't like themselves or believe what they believe or on the surface don't believe what they believe. Right. I think that's um, great advice. That's you really would be super surprised when you dive a little deep. You're a lot more alike than you are different. Mm-hmm. It's just how you treat each other that's different. Right. So, yeah, that's that's about it. That's awesome. Because yeah, you and and the algorithms are set up so that you just see things that are like oh, what you sure. already liked and agree with. You and I definitely kind of don't like out. to be manipulated, so I'm beating them at their game by doing so. Right? Right. <laughs> I'm it. I'm thinking ahead of them. It's kind of like trying to watch a movie. I, I've already figured out the ending because that's just how my brain works, and it stinks. But <laughs> it sometimes plays. Uh, dividends. So I do just encourage you to, you know, follow people you wouldn't normally follow. You might learn something about yourself for sure. So the last fun one is, is there a movie that you can't help but watch over and over? If it comes on the TV screen, you have to stop and watch it out. Oh, for sure. So (laughs) 
you know, I think Abby said she her favorite thing to do is to watch movies, mm-hmm. go to the movie theater, watch movies, and I, I don't disagree with that at all, but I am not wasting my money or time on anything except something that makes me laugh. Oh. I mean, I, I just can't, If I, I'm, life is already sucking me dry, I don't need a movie to suck me dry, but so it's going to be a romantic comedy, most likely. Definitely Hitch. Have you ever watched Hitch? Hitch? Will Smith. Oh my gosh. You gotta watch Hitch. Uh, the Proposal with Sandra Bullock. You gotta, I mean, that's a good one, right? And then How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, little Matthew McConaughey. But, oh, I mean, rolling in stitches, laughing so hard at any of those three movies, but I will watch them over and over and over again. So I have to look up Hitch. That's oh my gosh. Up. Now you have to tell me once you've watched Hitch. Yes. It's so good. Well, thank you for those recommendations. Kind of drawing down to the end here. How can the audience connect with you, your handles on social media, whatever you want to give out? Um, so on Instagram, and don't yeah, you know your, your Instagram name is funky. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I will take that as a compliment. No, I was like, who is this request? I mean, (laughs) I don't even remember. I just recently changed it and I don't even remember what it was, but it's EA underscore joy, J-O-Y, my favorite word in the English language, underscore R-A. So just split my name in half and put joy right in the middle of it. Uh I'm trying to destine myself to joy that way. (laughs) So on Twitter... Uh, let's see. I think it is, it's strange. It must've been one of those things where it suggested what it should be, but Tara T Roberts and the number one, and I was just way too lazy to fix that. <laughs> so oh, Tara, Tara T Roberts one. Yes. Okay. Yeah. There you go. But I think if you just put Tara Roberts in it, it might pull me up. I don't know. And then Facebook, um, you know, Tara Amos Roberts, but mm-hmm. You know, if you just want to go follow a boring middle-aged woman, you go right ahead. Um, I do try to be conscientious about the content I put out there, but it's probably going to be about my kids mm-hmm. um, or promoting their schools or their activities or their organizations or whatever. Just trying to do my part. Well, thank you. So I know the audience has enjoyed getting to know you and why I'm thankful and grateful to have you as my boss and my mentor and friend. Is there any last thing that you want to leave the audience with anything on your heart, any words of encouragement uh, before we wrap up and say goodbye? Um, probably that, you know, you have to let people help you. I was one of those kind of people that just, I'm going to do it. I'm going to get it done. I don't want to burden anybody with my problems or my issues. God put people on the planet to help each other. So let your friends help you. Um, What you are here to contribute to this earth is important. So if you feel the nudge or urge, respond to it. Um, And then just as responsible human beings, and this is really a social media type Facebook slap, but (laughs) if what you do or say today doesn't promise to make tomorrow better, it's not worth doing or saying. Mm. So every time you feel compelled to respond to something that's got your feathers ruffled or you see something in the news and you haven't done your homework, most people don't do their homework, just is it going to make things better than they are right now because if not you are just going to be part of the problem you really are and we all have a responsibility to do that every one of us have a responsibility and a capability to do that so that's what I would leave you with pause before you hit send or whatever (laughs) yeah I mean we've all heard that you know and the when you're angry you know and you're typing an email response or you're writing a letter once upon a time I mean you really should put it away come back put it away come back because you know that moment is fleeting but what you put out there is forever so 
wow, that sounded really good. <laughs> but um, I mean, it's just true. You just have to be disciplined and responsible. Mm -hmm. 100%. So. You don't know how many times I've typed a whole text, deleted it out, typed it in. <laughs> I bet I don't know how many times. But <laughs> <laughs> and then those three dots, you know, are still showing and then they go. Well, if, like, if you let the three dots be shown, because you can <laughs> not let those dots be shown. Well, there you go. That's something I need to learn too. <laughs> <laughs> ah, you're welcome, Carrie. <laughs> yeah, because that's annoying. Well, thank you so much, Tara. This has been fun. Even I've gotten to know some things about you that I didn't already know, which is hard to believe with our hours and hours of conversation, but I appreciate you coming on. I know you're going to be an inspiration to many people out there, so I really appreciate you. Well, and I appreciate that. And I'll tell you, there's no way I could have had the confidence to do this without having a loving, supporting family and spouse who were all committed to transparency. We're all committed to realness and truth mm -hmm. and just, you know, making sure that whatever we've been through, someone else might could skip being and going through. So I just wanted to thank my family for giving me that feeling. That's great. Thank you so much. Right. Bye. We'll talk soon. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Beacons of Bravery podcast. If you enjoyed the show, I would love it if you would go and rate and review the show and also share it with somebody who you think would benefit from listening to the message. I would also love to connect with you on Instagram or you can email me at beaconsofbravery at gmail.com. I hope something that you heard today will help you go out and live a more joy-filled, inspired life. Don't keep playing it safe. Be brave today. And of course, a huge shout out to Steve Denny for providing the music for this podcast.